It's the Geeky Girl Gap Podcast. Hello and welcome to Geeky Girl Gap. I'm Candace and with me is Bree. Hey Bree. Hi. So we're all stuck inside, right? Yeah, yeah, feeling that isolation on lockdown, but staying safe, washing hands, and not infecting people. Yes. So since we have all this time on our hands, I thought it would be really fun or insane to rewatch all the Star Wars movies. And I have taken Brie on this roller coaster ride with me. I mean, it's an enjoyable roller coaster, so t- well, to some extent. <laughs> So the first one we started out with was The Phantom Menace, <laughs> episode one. And Bree, do you have any memories of this coming out? Like, do you have any, like, vivid? Um, I don't. Well, I mean, Jar Jar Binks is always a vivid memory whenever you think about Phantom Menace. Um mm-hmm. I, I will say I don't rem I didn't remember too much of when I first saw it, but I re um when I went to go see it again in theaters when they re released it, um I saw it at the uh, AMC Universal and uh, in Hollywood, and um a lot of things were brought back as I rewatched it in that theater. So I remember that experience the most, and you know. So I have some like really strong memories. Like I vividly remember going to see this movie. So my dad, this is before YouTube. We were huge Star Wars fans. They re-released them in 1997, the 20th anniversary. And it's the special edition. I didn't know any better, but I fell in love with them. And then like a year later, we found out there's going to be another one. So my dad downloaded the trailer for this and we would watch it like every day until the movie came out. He used his dial-up to download this trailer. I mean, that's dedication. And it was just, but it was also so cool to see a video, like it was a really sharp video on a computer. Because that wasn't yeah. something you did often no. at this time. Most websites were just text-based. So my father, because this is back in 1999, he literally had to wait in a line to get the tickets before we go and we didn't even go opening day we went the saturday it came out and i remember we picked up my dad's friend it was me my sister my dad and his friend and we went to see it and guess what you know what i loved it so two days later i went with my friend nicole and my sister we were very grown up we went back to the movies and we saw it again so you liked it when it first came out i was a child i would like to say and it was star wars true Things that, uh, at that point in my life, I had the giant Millennium Falcon. I had action figures. I had all the extended universe books. When I like something, I really like it. And as a 12-year-old, 11-year-old, I I thought it was the coolest movie ever. I thought Ewan McGregor was super cute, for one, of course. Yeah. I thought pod racing was awesome. We had actually the, the computer game pod racing. And my dad got a joystick for us so we could actually play it. Could never get past the first level. I was really bad at it. (laughs) But I didn't care. I loved pod racing. And of course, like, I don't know. It was just more Star Wars. I didn't didn't remember hating it when I first watched it. When you're a kid, it's hard to know when things are bad. Because 
An adult made it, and you figure, adults know better than me. I'm a stupid kid. So if I don't like this, then there's something wrong with me. An adult did this. I thought Batman and Robin was a good movie, too. Again, I was a child. Oh, okay, there's parts of it that's good. Oh, I still love the campiness of Batman and Robin. And honestly, I like some of the campiness in The Phantom Menace. That's true. There's some campiness, though, that, ah, oh, that dialogue. The dialogue is very stilted. And for yeah. a while, Jake Lloyd, who played little Anakin Skywalker, got a lot of flack. He got oh, no, like the most flack. Yeah. And even the, the actor who played Jar Jar Binks, Ahmed, um, I forget his last name. I feel so horrible. I forgot his last name. But he, like, was contemplating suicide. Yeah. No, he got it the worst, honestly. And and uh, I see two sides to Jar Jar Binks. Like, oh, yes. The complexity uh, of Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. I mean, we can get a little more into it in a bit. <laughs> but, uh you know, there's two sides of, yeah, you could hate him for some reasons. Was it, you know, but he was playing a role and he really committed to playing a role. And I think when you look at it, just like the facts, like he did this, he as an actor really committed, brought it to life. I think he did a, a good job for what he was given. You know what I mean? Like he... He, they said, here, work with this. And he worked with it, you know. But yeah, like, I mean, he really went through tough times, like, trying to get work after it. Yeah, there's a um, this famous story Mark Hamill tells. I'm just going to paraphrase it really quick. There's a line where, like, in A New Hope, and it's even cheesier than the other lines in A New Hope. And Mark literally went to, like, George Lucas and said, hey, this isn't how people talk. And you're not the one they're going to throw vegetables at if this is terrible. It's going to be me. So he had him cut the line. But this is George Lucas 1990s with like millions and millions of dollars. And it's all on him. None of these actors could be like, hey, 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 George, I know this is your baby. but This sucks. (laughs) George Lucas is not a good writer. Sorry, throw eggs at me. He's just not fucking good. He's not good at writing human beings. He's not good at conversation. No. Grant, like overall story-wise, yeah, good for you, George. But yeah, I mean, I I think that's what I just meant. It's like his dialogue, like how people communicate. It's not, oh, it's just not like that. Well, yeah, you look at the other actors, um... Liam Nielsen, Natalie Portman, Samuel Jackson. These are amazing actors who have given some of the best performances in recent years, you know? And it was just so stilted. Well, Natalie Portman even said she had a hard time finding work after Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. He just needs, like, a co-writer. Well, if you look at, like, Empire Strikes Back, he was a producer on it, and he ha- I believe he has story by credit. But he didn't direct it, and he didn't write it completely. Yeah, which is probably the smartest move they did. But, okay, (laughs) so let's talk about, like, what was good about the prequels. I like the world building. Yes. That is what he's excellent at, making this galaxy. Yeah, you got to see more of the world. Um, We got to go to places we never uh, had gone before. Yeah, like Extended Universe, we've heard about Coruscant. For so long, the city, this whole planet that's just full of cities. And for years, I wondered what it looked like. And finally, you know, you got to see it on screen. 
we got to see the Jedi Order finally, like what they were before they all fell. We got Darth Maul. Yes. And again, (laughs) that and we got the Dual Fate song. Yes. By John Williams. And that is it's mind blowing. Oh, speaking of Darth Maul, Ray Parker, who plays Darth Maul and does all like his stunts and choreography. Um, Darth Maul's in the newest season of Clone Wars. And they did motion capture of Ray Park and they use that in the animation. That's awesome. Like <laughs> Darth Maul comes back <laughs> because I mean, he's brought back by the fans, really, because he seems so cool. Well, that was one of the best fight sequences. I think of really any Star Wars movies I've seen, like that was so cool. And it was because oh, I've watched this three times before we recorded this. I noticed a lot of like, obviously, it's all very Park doing the dark Maul parts, but I was watching like the choreography and it was a lot of Ewan McGregor as well. Okay, another great thing about this movie, Ewan McGregor. Yes. Um, How is he the only one that's good in all three of these movies? There's something so genuine about him. Um, And he's a big Star Wars fan. He's a big Star Wars fan. I think there's just something genuine about him as an actor anyway. That um, he's not as structured if that makes sense, he's very go with the flow. And I think that really helps him in these movies. I think the um, people who need the most directing or, or um, you know, who can't really let loose the dialogue, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to explain as a layman's term because I could go into some, like, method and stuff and I don't mm-hmm. want to. <laughs> mm. Um, but like, you know, there's some actors who won't deviate from dialogue given to them. And I think you McGregor really just puts, put his own spin on the dialogue. Maybe. Um, I don't know if that's really what happens, but he seems like when those actors who can really mold and gel and just kind of like give the line, but give it his, his own. If that yeah, makes sense. I don't know a, if I'm making sense, but No, I, I understand that. And he's just a very captivating presence on screen. And I don't know if it's because Obi Wan's like other than Yoda, like Obi Wan is a character that we know. If that's something with like the audience is like, Hey, that's old Ben. Well, that's young Ben. <laughs> technically old, but technically young at the same time. <laughs> Confusing. Uh yeah, you know, he is a familiar presence to us. Um Oh, oh, that fight seems so good. Speaking of old and ages, so Qui-Gon Jinn, played by Liam Nielsen, is supposed to be 60 at this point. Really? Yes. The character's supposed to be 60. And guess how old Obi-Wan's supposed to be in A New Hope? 56. We could say it was the Tatooine son and also all his friends dying. Sure, we can say that. We can say lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> If you I if you could see my face when you were explaining that, I looked like that meme uh of that woman just thinking and all the mathematic equations are just <laughs> trying to pile up. They're casting okay, sure. Well I that's mean, they're of, good actors though, but Yeah. Well that's one of the reasons I wanted to do these deep dives is kind of talk about things that maybe we've always been kind of bugged us and 
get some answers. Like, how does a 14-year-old get elected to be the ruler of an entire planet? I don't know. You know what? I do know. Do you want to know, Brie? Yes. Okay, so Naboo is very weird. Let's just say that. They well, elect, to say the least, okay. They elect their leaders and they're considered royalty. Before Padme was um, queen, she was princess of Theed. Theed is a like capital of Naboo. She was made princess by the previous ruler, the king of Naboo. And she was a part of like all this legislator. She was like a little junior delegate, you know, since she was eight kind of crazy but the reason she got into power is because of palpatine that is it okay doesn't that make sense so much sense like right now like well it does i always thought he had a hand in it but i guess i didn't really realize it but i always had a suspicion he had been planning to become chancellor for a long time actually with his with his lord with his master lord plagueis who he talks about in the third movie Lord Plagueis is still alive in Phantom Menace, and Palpatine kills him at one point. I think after he becomes Chancellor, he kills him. So Palpatine like campaigned for Padme to become to become queen because he knew she would be easy to manipulate, being 14 years old. And it worked. She did the vote of no confidence on Chancellor Valorum, and Palpatine was able to become Chancellor. So you know all those interesting costumes queen amidala wears yes i love them do you know there's actually a practical reason for them uh suspicions almost because you know costume designers normally design with uh some purpose but i don't know the purpose of this well i don't know if it was in the costume design designer's head or this happened after the extended universe um i believe it's called the queen's shadow is an in-canon book that takes place after Padme is done with her queenship rule. Because <laughs> you stop being queen and then you become a senator. Um, the costumes, they're all like not quite blaster proof. But they are pretty strong. And then the reason they wear those really fancy headdresses is so it distracts from the face. So they can use decoys. Oh, uh, which is what kind of what they did with what um, like Kira Knightley. Yeah, Carrie Knightley plays Sabi, who who was the Queen's decoy in a couple scenes. Also, the reason that they have that low voice, did you notice that? Where she's like, I will not do this. Yes. That was a choice, apparently, because it was the only voice that both Sabi and Padme could do that sounded similar. Interesting. Yes. Again, I don't know if this is like was planned beforehand or is an explanation later on. They were like, mm, we have to explain why Karen Knightley and Natalie Portman only could do this. <laughs> yes. The funny thing is that Karen Knightley and Natalie Portman's parents were on set because they were minors. And when they were dressed up, their parents couldn't tell them apart either. That's funny. Yeah. But I mean, that makeup and the hair. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, they look not, I wouldn't say identical, but they look, they have very similar features to they one do. another. Yeah. And I mean, that's why they were chosen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, all of her handmaidens are trained in, like, espionage and security. And they all have really cool skills. So something else that I was learning about um, Qui-Gon Jinn, because we don't honestly see 
I mean, we honestly don't learn very much about him. And no. this is really the only movie he's in. Yeah. Right? So it was something interesting about the, his approach to being a Jedi is that he believes he will do what the Force tells him, even if it ticks off the Council, which is why he was like, well, I'll just train Anakin, even without your approval. True. So that was his philosophy in all things. Do you think Anakin would have fell if Qui-Gon trained him? Candace with the deep questions here. I know. All right. um, I feel like Qui-Gon wouldn't have put up with, like, Mr. Anakin's attitude. Well, no. Uh, Obi-Wan kind of gave into that a little bit. Yeah, like, I feel like, like Obi-Wan was insecure. Funny. Yeah, very insecure. And then, like, he... I mean, they, they goofed off together. I think it allowed Anakin to be a little reckless, more so. Mm-hmm. You know, he couldn't balance himself. I feel like that's why Obi-Wan never took the leap into the dark side because he could balance out when to be reckless, when to not be. But he had a good trainer. Yeah. And yeah, Qui-Gon was really good about knowing where the line was and also being able to toe that line when necessary. True. But then again, if we're talking about fate, um, you know, we can trace all the way back to like Oedipus, you know, his parents did everything to do not to have the prophecy come true, you know? So maybe Anakin's one of those cases where no matter who trained him, he was always going to fall. Or maybe, just maybe, because the prophecy is that he would bring balance to the Force, maybe he could have brought balance in a different way. Took him a while. Yeah, it did take him a while. And after Rise of the Skywalker, I'm really not sure if that prophecy was true or not. I don't know. I, that's probably something that's so, like, iffy now, just because it's been in the hands of so many different people. Yeah. And that's something that we'll discuss when we get to Rise of Skywalker, Brie. Um, the- another thing I loved about The Phantom Menace was Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, do you know he was like, I will do whatever part, I will be an extra. Yeah. He just wanted, again, the people who are, like, nerds like us and just love this, you know, you gotta love, too. Oh, 100%. And I love that he was like, he's like, I want a different color lightsaber. <laughs> he's like, give me purple. <laughs> like, he just wanted to be spotted so badly in that Yeah, he wanted his family to be able yeah. to see him in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, I loved that. I was like, yes. Yes. It's funny because yeah. the extended universe, like, they try to explain why he's the only one with a different color lightsaber <laughs> and really just samuel jackson wanted a different color yeah but i'm so glad they gave it to him yeah you do <laughs> like, what samuel jackson asks of you oh a hundred percent if he wanted a rainbow color lightsaber give that man a rainbow color lightsaber yeah give him anything he wants <laughs> but i loved it i loved it so much i was like yeah that's badass and also, I kind of like that he is purple because he's so tough that I'm like, this is amazing. It was, it's almost, it was unintentionally, like, gender progressive. Well, what the Sydney Universe says, it's because that um, Mace Windu is able to use both the dark and the light side. And he's able to toe that line, like Qui-Gon, but better. So he oh, uses some blue more. And per, blue and red make up purple. That mm-hmm. makes, that so makes he, a lot of sense. Yeah. He uses more of an offensive line 
And something that I found really interesting that they go into with these prequels and the Clone Wars and Rebels is, like, Jedi kind of, like, have a line of their masters. And so, like, Mace Windu trained, oh gosh, I forget her name, but she's the one who trained Kanan Jarrus, who is the last, one of the last Jedis in the galaxy in Star Wars Rebels. So we see, like, his style, like, you see these styles continue on with their Padawans. Which is really cool. Yeah, and just, again, the world building and the details like that. You, Man, Obi-Wan must, like, feel really bad about fucking things up so much. <laughs> that's why he got so old. That's true. That I think that's a good explanation. He just was like, ugh. Also, he didn't have any moisturizer out in the desert sun. There's two no. of them. There's two suns out there. That would suck. I would die. I hate the heat. I would be like, oh, kill me now. You've lived in Florida most of your life. Yeah. I mean, you got out, so that's something. Okay. So, overall, Phantom Menace. Not the worst of the Star Wars movies. That's next. But <laughs> Dead. But I will not lie. Phantom Menace is that, was that line where I was like, okay, all movies are amazing. And then a couple years later, I realized... Not all movies are amazing. Not at all. Oh, did you ever wonder, hey, Shmi, Anakin's mother, is still a slave. That sucks. Yes. So, again, in this book, so Padme sends Sabi to Tatooine while she's being a senator and she's working on, you know, outlining um, slavery everywhere. To go free Shami and as many slaves as possible. However, when Sebi gets there, Shami isn't there anymore. She can't find Watto. She can't find anyone. And the reason for that is because we find out in Attack of the Clones what happens to Shami. She gets freed and then she marries Owen Lars's father. And so her name's not Shami Skywalker anymore. Uh. So somebody did go back for her and it wasn't the Jedi. But it's crazy that it wasn't the Jedi. I... I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying, yeah, they all should have died. But I'm getting a few reasons why they did. With Jar Jar Binks, have you heard of that Reddit theory? Um, Dark Jar Jar? Yeah. I would have loved if that was true. Me too. Because it kind of does make sense in a weird way. Um, the Reddit theory, it's like, by Lumpo Wawaru. I don't know. I'm so sorry. I messed that up. <laughs> um, but it's like so detailed. And I was like, I really wish this would have happened because I think it would have redeemed Jar Jar in a way. Um, and it would make so much sense of why he was so like crazy and trying to be like, you know, the um, like the kooky sidekick or whatever. It just explains a lot of it. And yeah, that I'm he was playing gonna, a part. Yeah, I'm just going to live in that, like, realm of well, that's like, what's happening. All his clumsiness. Like, I was re-watching the battle again when at the end when the Gungans are battling the droid army. And he's bumbling around. He falls. He does all this kind of stuff. But he ends up, like, taking out, like, 20 droids. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like. There's something to that that's very deliberate. Oh, I would recommend um, reading the Reddit post. Like, if you ever get the chance, they actually go into 
a lot of um, Jar Jar's physicality Mm -hmm. and how there's a particular Kung Fu discipline that it's modeled upon to appear goofy and uncoordinated. But then um, it's, it's called like the drunken fist wushu. I think it's like W S H U. I don't know. And it would definitely make sense considering that Palpatine is also from Naboo. Yes. Yes. And they're like, if you notice, like he dodges, but then like, it looks like he doesn't know what he's doing at all. And then, yeah, he just like, it's like weird. It's supposed to confuse us. And I'm wondering if they were going to do more with Jar Jar. And that's why he comes off so awkward. In, and why like, he's certain... such a big part of the movie. Yeah. Because what it, it like, I was like, why is this like this? And it is a jarring moment when you go look back and you're just thinking like, hi, I just thought this was to make me laugh as a child. But, but then it does seem like there's intentional actions behind it. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. So I'm going to believe this is true. And then no one went through with it. Yeah, because he had such a backlash. Oh, I know. But even with the backlash, it would have been amazing if they're like, hey, you were supposed to hate him. You guys were all right to hate him because he was being a clown on purpose because he's actually evil. Which makes sense because he was right there with Padme. Yep. And he was the one who suggested the Gungan army. Yes. I know. It's so crazy. And I mean, honestly, like, I mean, yeah, Palpatine and doesn't didn't Palpatine sh- even hang out with him? I mean, Palpatine does manipulate him in the next movie. Yeah. When um, Padme's gone because he's in charge of the Naboo because he's a representative. He's sort of like second. Mm-hmm. And he's how Palpatine gets emergency power and doesn't have to go through the Senate anymore. So, yeah. It's all George's yeah. fault. Too bad he wasn't the Supreme Leader Snock. That would have been amazing, too. It would have been. It, it just would have made... I think it would have just been like, oh, shit, this whole time? <laughs> like, Hashtag it justice for Jar Jar. Yeah, justice for Jar Jar. Give us Dark Jar Jar. We need Dark Jar Jar. Misa, Dark Lord of the Sith. No. <laughs> okay, I tried. <laughs> I can't do it. No, I feel like he should have a completely different accent. He's like, nah, that was a dumb character is putting on you yes. dum-dums. He's, he starts having a British accent like all the Imperials yes. are. No, hello. What are you talking about? I just don't sound like that. Imbeciles. Kill them. <laughs> oh, hilarious. Okay. So, Bree, are you yes. ready for Attack of the Clones next? Um, you know, maybe, um, if I can still get over Anakin saying to Padme, are you an angel? The relationship's <gasps> really gross. Well, okay. So I was digging some, doing some digging. Cause I was like, how old are they really supposed to be? And nine and 14, nine and 14. And Natalie Portman was 13 at the time of filming. Really? I thought she was older than that. Okay. So I haven't been able to find a clear answer. Some things I have saw was that she filmed it freshman year and then it was released her senior year. Well, it came out in 1999 and she was born in 1981. Right. But I heard it was filmed 
like three years. I heard it was filmed in 1997 and then released in 1999. But I couldn't. But she would have still been 16. Is that true? So, okay. Because I was finding different things. So, if she was 16 and then Jake Lloyd was 10, that's freaking weird to me. Because I know Anakin's supposed to be 19 in Clone Wars, and Aiden Christensen was cast at 19, and then she's supposed to be 24. Like, yeah. I guess. She, yeah, they okay. began filming in 1997. Yeah. And when it was her final year of high school, which I think she just skips. So, yeah, if she was like 16, 17, I think she skipped some grades because she was like, she was like um, homeschooled or like on set schooled. <laughs> oh, true. I, yeah, I couldn't really figure it out. And I was like, Ugh. it just is odd because he looks so little. And then she looks like she hasn't really aged at all. And you're just like, what? Ugh. Yeah, it's weird. It's odd. I mean, it, granted, it's not odd in the later years. I think it's just like jarring in the first movie because he's so little. And we know that she is the mother of Luke and Leia. Yes. So you're going, he's so little, though. Like, that, like, like. This is we... supposed to be their meat cute? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh. Mm. Mm. Are you an angel? Oh, no. Get away, kid. Get away. And you know what? His pickup lines don't get any better after that. No, they don't. Actually, they just get worse. <laughs> <laughs> Way worse. Okay. Well, I think that's it for today. And next week we'll be doing Attack of the Clones. And yes, it will be getting worse from here. And we're going to have fun. Can we just skip all the Pat Me and Anakin scenes and just focus on Ewan McGregor? I think I just might be drunk watching it. That would work too. <laughs> Get your quarantinis out. Yeah. <laughs> so do you agree, disagree? Do you like Dar- Jar Jar? Was Darth Maul your favorite? Anyway, um, <laughs> we just have so many feelings about this. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And we have been actually like making our blog a real blog, right? Bruce? Yes, we have. We're going to um, be releasing soon what binge-worthy shows you can watch while we're all in isolation. And so- you can find that at Geeky Girl gab.com our instagram facebook and twitter are all at geeky girl gab i'm candace i'm brie stay geeky